Ridge Hunter Nation, welcome back to another episode of Ridge Hunters Live. Tonight, we are joined by the 2021 Mohican 100 champion, Arlen Glick, who shattered the previous modern course record, running one of the most impressive races the Mohican 100 has ever seen. This guy's been on an absolute tear, running, crushing, running and crushing 100 milers all across the country. We're so excited to sit down with him for the next hour. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Ridge Runners Live. Tonight, we are joined by the 2021 champion of the Mohican 100 and one of the best 100-mile ultramarathon runners in the entire country, coming to us from the Buckeye State. Ladies and gentlemen, Arlen Glick, how's it going, man? It's, it's going great. I am so glad to be here. We're so stoked to have you. Obviously, it was fun to run with you a little bit. Uh, and I mean a little bit uh, on this past weekend at the race. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Wesley Hart, and holding down the fort with me tonight is the sixth man of the nation, Cam Wrench. What's up, dude? Uh, things. Things are up. <laughs> How are you doing, Wesley? <laughs> We're going to get Cam going because this story is going to be awesome. I mean, this is going to be a fun show. Obviously, Arlen's a three-time guest now, and he's been a professional on this show every single time he's come on. So uh, some of the best stories come out of an Arlen Glick show, and I know Ridge Runner Nation is super excited for this one. Uh, as always, you know, you can find the show on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're on Strava, join our Strava club as well. You know, some, there's some, some incredible runners on there like Arlen Glick himself. You can see what he's up to. Uh, Arlen, like we said before, this is your third go round on this show. So you know the drill. Let's start off by having you giving us your deep dive of the Mohican 100. Okay. Um, well, first, I better start out with saying the, the only reason I agreed to coming on the show this time, because you know, fish stink after three days and, and I think, uh, guests do too. And so this is kind of the third time. The only reason I uh, agreed to come on the show tonight was because I just couldn't wait to beat up on Wesley for his DNF. So those of you who don't know, yes, Wesley was out there Saturday. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tear him apart a little bit. We got to find out exactly what went wrong. I know I know there were a couple big factors right off the bat. I'll just answer a couple questions for him. Um, I know the humidity really took a toll on him. Um, I, I know, I know that was a, a big thing. And also the climbs are a little steep, them tall residents. I, I know they don't. Yeah. The ups were just a little, a little steep and he flew in like he didn't have any time to acclimate either. He flew in like the night before. Um, and, and, you know, the altitude sickness, I think is what really got to him late in the race. But anyway, we'll let him, uh, see if he can redeem himself after that. Well, hey, I, mean, um, I appreciate anyhow. you kind of diving into that. You know, there's a lot of factors that obviously come into a race like that. But the one that actually kind of threw me off my game was, you know, getting lapped by you when I was in my third loop. You were on your fourth loop and actually pressed hard for four straight hours trying to catch up to you. And I just couldn't do it. So that was my, that was my big thing. You know, I just couldn't press on. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just I couldn't wait to say that. Like I was I've been looking forward to this ever since. Uh, yeah, ever since ever since. Uh, yeah, I caught him on the, on the, on the, uh, third loop or fourth or whatever. I, I lose count after a while. Um, but yeah, as, as, as Wesley said, uh, yeah, the 2021, um, Mohican race was definitely my a race for, 
for at least the first half of this year. Um, ever since uh, 2019, when I was there um, and kind of coming on the scene, it was my first trail 100 miler. Um, I kind of had my eye on that Michael Owen course record. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what brought me back. I wondered, uh, I wondered if it could be beaten and anyway, so yeah, I had a great time out there Saturday. Um, we'll dive into it some more. I don't know if Wesley has a direction he wants to go with this at this point, but yeah. So let's start off with yeah. your training. Obviously going into a race like this, you were kind of totally locked in, you know, in the prediction video that you sent us, you said you're running 120 to 130 a week. And, you know, I kind of made fun of that saying it was minutes and not <laughs> miles, which is a lot of fun, but, you know, kind of dive into what the, those miles actually looked like for you. What were you doing training wise? You know, I kind of mentioned you were doing the course a little bit. Was that intentional to kind of get out there to kind of do the course at a certain pace or what was your training like going into this race? Yes. So my, my training, I'll start off kind of, uh, back end of March, I ran the Umstead 100. Um, so that was kind of my training block ever since that, um, I built up my base mileage pretty quick. Um, but I had, a had a nice block. I had one down week, um, in the middle, and then I dove right into training very specifically for Mohican. Um, yeah, I was doing a good amount of running. I tried to get down to Mohican at least once a week um, and do a nice long, usually at least between 25 and uh, anyway, up to maybe 40, 48, something like that was my top uh, for a long run. Um, yeah, just a lot on the trail. And yeah, I did most of it at what felt like 100 mile effort, just around a 140 heart rate, just nice and easy. Um, where I felt like that would be close to hundred mile effort. My pace was a little quicker than what I thought I could run a hundred miles down there at during my training runs. Um, but anyhow, on race day, it ended up, ended up running about the same pace, which was way faster than I thought possible. But anyway, that's, that we'll get to that later on, um, in the show, but yeah, so my training went really well. Yeah. I, I, typically top out somewhere between 100 and 110 miles a week. That's not minutes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I hit I hit some 120 to 130. My crazy Garmin, it always shorts me whenever I could run on trails. So it's a little hard to a little hard to keep track. But yeah, between 120 and 130 for I think three weeks straight uh, before my taper. Um, went into my taper. I felt very fresh going into my taper. Um, I was very surprised how well I held up to the the uh, new mark I hit with my training block. Um, but yeah, I felt really fresh going into it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how the training, the training went very, very well, very well. And so you say you were out there on the Mohican course running at what felt like hundred mile effort to you. Was that something you had to calibrate over all these other hundred milers you ran or going into your first attempt at Mohican? Were you, feeling kind of the same on long training runs you were doing. How did he kind of find that effort? Uh, can you let us know? Well, I, I can, I kind of have a rough idea when I wear my heart rate monitor, my chest strap heart rate monitor, the one in my watch is for the birds. Um, but if, if I get it around 140, 145 beats a minute, that usually is around hundred mile effort. Um, in 2019, I was not dialed at all. I don't think I did one training run down at the park. 
um, for that race. That was just kind of winging it. I, I didn't know what I was doing back then. Um, but yeah, so I definitely honed it in a lot more and I was going more during my training runs. I was going more off of just perceived effort level. Um, just trying to keep it nice and easy, trying to walk the really steep ups, run all the flats and downs. Um, so yeah, more, more by feel than anything, probably. Okay. And that, that comment you made about the, the wrist-based heart rate being for the birds. I remember having to, uh, <laughs> explain that to Wesley because he thought, um, that he was going to have a heart attack and die because his watch was telling me I had like a 210 heart rate out there one time on a long training run. Uh, coach Owen took a look at that and he was like, you should go to the hospital, Wesley, um, got a chest strap and he was like, everything's fine now. So (laughs) definitely advise everybody listening to this right now. If you've got a wrist-based heart rate, like don't, don't listen to that. Those are not accurate. It's, it's about as much of a joke as those, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? Footlet, uh, the footlet chip timing things they made us wear out there. Um, like dude, I hope Brian Poland's listening because I want to give him some hash about that. I mean, dude, like come out of the stone age, let's get, put the, put the chip in the bib number for once, man. I mean, those things can tear a guy up. I I saw what people were posting on Strava pictures of their ankles and it's, it's not, it's not, I know mine, that was the worst, the worst, uh, the worst thing I suffered post-race was the, uh, the effects of that crazy uh, band we had to wear around our ankle. But anyhow, yeah. just a side note. <laughs> Last time you came out here, you were like, you know, Super Bowl trail championships, and that's a Brian Pullen great race. You're like, why is it on ultra sign up? And now you're out here, you know, bashing the, bashing the bands, you know, Brian's an awesome guy. His time yeah. Well, incredible. yeah. Everybody knows we, we love him. So I can yeah. say whatever I want, but yeah. <laughs> One of our nation's uh, finest. Cam, I think you had another question here. Yeah, I get a, a couple more about your training block heading into this, Arlen, just because I'm always I'm always interested in what other people are doing when I can maybe uh, fold into my own training. And then just, you know, what other people aren't paying attention to is also just as important for me. And, you know, I, uh, I follow you on Strava, but I don't ever it doesn't seem like you're ever doing concentrated speed work. You do hills and you do faster runs, but you're never on the track. You never have a post that's like today was 10 times two minutes on two minutes off you know uh is there a reason for that (laughs) um probably because i don't like those workouts um is the main thing um yeah i i probably should but for some reason when i do a really uh, dialed in workout where it's i know exactly what i'm going to do i feel the pressure of having to execute that perfectly um and so i would rather just go out and run up and down a hill, um, like 30 times. Uh, but whatever there, I'm sure there's some, some benefits of doing a very specific workout, but yeah, I would like to, yeah, I would like to incorporate some more specific speed workouts in, but I have to, I usually have to be feeling really healthy, uh, to do a very dialed in workout. Um, but yeah, I, sh- I probably should work on that more. And, and sometimes I do, but my speed workouts are more like 10 miles at tempo pace or, or a three by two mile, a three by three mile at like half marathon pace or something like that. So I tend to do a little longer duration of, of repeats instead of 
short ones. Um, except my hills are a, a, a little more on the short side. So. Mm -hmm. And then kind of the last, uh, question on this, on this, um, sort of topic is, are you doing anything other than run training? I know you get out on the bike, uh, every now and then, but you know, what's, um, do you have like any pre-run activation drills you do? You got the Norma tech boots on right now. Uh, what does that look like <laughs> for you? Um, the, well, are we talking about training or recovery here? If you're, if you're talking about training, um, yes, I do a very minimal amount of PT work. Um, my therapist is really good at, at working with me and giving me the least amount. She assigns me the least amount possible, um, to get, <laughs> to get me there on race day. Um, but yeah, I do, I do a small amount. Um, like you mentioned, I do some biking. Um, but yeah, a pretty small amount, but a couple times a week. Yeah. I get, get, do some, uh, some core workouts, some other things, but yeah, I don't post that. So anyway, yeah, I'm doing it just a little bit. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I just, I gotta ask because I'd be, I'd be so freaked out if you're putting in 120 mile weeks, the, the speeds <laughs> you do and never getting on, uh, getting on a foam roller doing it or anything like that. But yeah, so let's go ahead and start and dive into the race. And one really interesting thing you mentioned is, you know, you feel, you feel pressure when you want to do like a quality workout, like, especially with shorter intervals to really hit those times. How did you feel going into this Mohican knowing, you know, like, well, Hey, I want to go after this Michael Owen course record. And, you know, nobody didn't know who Arlen Glicken was going into this year's Mohican, you know, um, Wesley's prediction video aside, right. You were the name to beat out there. How did that sort of play into your mindset when you started the race? Um, I, yeah, people kept asking me what my, what my goals are for the race. And they, they knew I was, you know, really in shape. They saw my training. They really knew I was, uh, they, they, they knew I was down there almost every weekend training. Um, things were looking very dialed for the race, but I, I have to say, I, I err on being underconfident, I'm sure, rather than overconfident. Um, but I felt I did feel much more confident than usual about the race. Um, I got a lot of heat training in. I felt very ready. But there's always that unknown with the weather. And like Mohican, we've had anywhere from 95 down to 2019, it was 72, a high of 72 degrees. Um, so I, I kept telling people, if the weather's really nice. I'm going to take a stab at the course record. That was kind of my, kind of my thing. Um, somebody asked me the morning of the race, you know, what, what are you going to do today? And I'm like, well, I'm not in shape for no reason. Like I, I, I definitely put the work in and I'm ready to ready to go after it. Um, I wasn't, yeah, I, I didn't think there was any way possible of, of going low fifteens, but like, you know, I was pretty confident I could get the course record at, at the, the morning of the race. Um, but yeah. So you show up at this race start with nothing, by the way, you show up, I, sh I find you now. <laughs> you're, you're at the starting line. I've never seen this at a hundred mile race for no handheld, no like bladder, no chest thing, you know, no, no waist belt. Even I don't think you had nothing on you, what was your plan with that? Is that the biggest confidence move you could ever do at a hundred mile race? Or is that something you took maybe from like a tunnel hill that you just bring into a race like Mohican? 
Yeah. So if you've watched me race before, you know that if <laughs> that I rely on my crew pretty heavy. Um, so yeah, I went into that with, with nothing. Um, I was planning to pick up a handheld at the first aid station, which I did, um, and just pretty much switched out handhelds most of the day with my crew. Um, they, yeah, they're great. They give me anything I need. Uh, we'll get into some funny details, crewing details at some point with some bizarre nutrition things that happen. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, I, if you've watched me run before, you know, I run light. I had planned on this being my first race where I was going to wear a hydration pack and it was going to be for the longer section where there's not crew access on the back half of the course. And I was going to do that on the set on the uh, third and fourth loop. Um, but yeah, mid race, I ditched that plan. The handheld was just working out too well for me. So I ditched that plan. Um, but yeah, I pack super light. Um, I try to spend as little time at aid stations as I can, but yet not, uh, get out of there without getting something I need. So, yeah. And so going into it with this, this very sort of like bare bones and minimalist attitude, did you, were you planning on just eating off, uh, the tables on the back half of the course then, or did you have, what was your plan sort of like with your crew, did you have very specific things you wanted nutrition wise at each aid station or take us through that? A little bit. Yeah. So I was planning to eat some during the beginning, which I eat very little, if you know me, um, during a race. So I think I ate into 40 miles, I think was the last I ate any, any solid foods. Um, yes, I planned on just coming into an aid station and hoping there's not a line there. Uh, and fortunately it was very nice. I got in there and they were able to give me what I needed in, in very minimal time, fill my water, my water bottle. Sometimes I would drink a couple of the cups they had poured there while they're filling my water bottle. Fortunately, some of the guys at the aid station knew me and they knew, they knew kind of my plan from 2019. They, they, uh, they knew what I wanted when I got there. And so they were able to help me out. Um, but yeah, so Going into it, um, I told my crew what I what I usually do, uh, switch out between different products. If I drink the same thing too long, I get sick. So uh, most of my calories are in, in liquid form. So Gatorade, I even tried out body armor this time. I tailwind, heed, you name it, I, I drink it. Um, what was uh, so, so bizarre that happened that morning, you know, it's a 5 a.m. start. And I've got everything, you know, just ready to roll the night before I had the, the car all packed. I had all my nutrition, but we filled my water bottle, my water jugs up the morning of the race at like 3 a.m. because it starts at five and we have a, we have well water at our house and we filled the jugs and apparently our water softener was going through its cycle where it mixes salt and cleans out the filter when we filled our jugs. So I get to the race and I start running and I start drinking and I'm thinking, and I told myself, I said, man, this tailwind has a lot saltier than I remember it from <laughs> in the past. And I was like, man, okay, I can't, this is nasty, but I'm like, okay, maybe it's just my head, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drink it. And I'm thinking I'll get to something else later on. And the next time I knew they were switching it out, but the next thing I drank, I was like, man, that's salty too. Like 
this, these drinks must have a lot more salt than I remember. And it just, and it was a really nasty tasting. And I finally, and then I got to some Gatorade and I'm like, this is the real deal. So I drank that and I'm like, that was good. And then the body armor and man, that just went down so nice. Finally about, I don't know. It was after it was probably into the second loop somewhere. I finally told my sister, I said, just quit, quit mixing stuff up. Just give me the stuff that that's already mixed up like Gatorade and body armor. I said that other stuff, I just can't take the taste. And so they did that. Well, I didn't know what happened. And like it at 80 or 90 miles into it, they're like, they told me, Arlen, you're, or maybe it was more like 60 miles. I forget, but they're like, Arlen, there was salt in the water. Uh, do you want us to go back to plan A? What at that point I was too delirious to know what they meant by salt in the water. And I'm like, no, this is working fine. So it was just so bizarre. But imagine if I had kept going with the salt consumption at like 10 times the normal amount, what that would have, I mean, yeah, it could have, it actually could have got dangerous towards the end probably. But anyhow, it's just a hilarious thing that happened. And anyhow, I guess that's, you, you learn, uh, to be flexible and, and not to stick to your plan too hard because you never know when something like that might happen. But anyway, no worries about, you know, Arlen Glick doesn't have to take salt tabs. He just gets the salt in his water and tail and all that stuff. It's a, it's a great technique out there. Um, one thing I'm kind of curious about is, you know, take us through the early miles of the race. Now, uh, you know, obviously the start, the gun goes off you're starting. There's a lot of people, the race started out hot and there was a group of people with you. Uh, take us through like the first loop and just dive into it. Yeah. Well, if you watch the predictions, Wesley mentioned Jeffrey Zinger. Um, he, yeah, is a stud from, from, uh, Indiana and I was in contact with him and, and we had kind of planned on going out together. Um, I was hoping that we could run at least one loop together. So we took off and I went through the campground super easy and we just broke away. Like Jeffrey and I were, were by ourselves and we could see some headlights back there, but I'm like, boy, nobody, <laughs> they must not like our company or whatever. Um, but we were going nice and easy. Um, and he was running really well, running right with me. Um, yeah, I just tried to really focus on making sure I didn't push on any of the ups. Um, that's the main thing that I was concerned about. If I, if I ran a little hard on the downs, I was going to be okay with that. Uh, the main thing was that I didn't burn up on the ups. Um, so went through the first aid station within within a minute of what I was hoping, I think it was like 32 something, uh, when we went across the mat, um, then went on to fire tower. At that point, I picked up my, my, uh, my, uh, water bottle, um, drank that on the way to fire tower, got the to fire tower. Um, and, and anyway, I ended up needing my headlight all the way to fire tower, which was, was, uh, surprising. I was planning on getting rid of it sooner than that. Um, but yeah, we got to fire tower and yeah, then took off and I wanted to go super light and easy from fire tower to the, the dam there. Um, because I knew we would be going through that super technical area up that creek with the, uh, with the root wall. Uh, I looked forward to that. I was just loving that, except there's some, uh, what do you call it? Stingweed or whatever up in there. It always gets me. 
And anyhow, it kind of made me itchy after that. But anyhow, it's worth it for the view. Um, but yeah, climbed up the root wall and then I went across the bridge and, and or went to the bridge. And the, the weirdest thing, the flags went across the bridge <clears throat> the way the chorus goes, but there was a sign right there pointing the opposite direction. And I was like, what is this here for? And I was like really confused. Like, do I yank it out and carry it with me or do I like? toss it aside or do I just keep going? I'm like, this is going to really seriously screw somebody up. But I was just confused and didn't know what to do. Um, and then fortunately, Jeffrey came, he was a little behind me right at that point. And he picked it up and, and threw it on the ground. And then he told the photographers because they were on the way just to kind of watch out when people come up through here, make sure they they go the right way. Um, but yeah, during those, I was planning to run at least 25 with Jeffrey, um, but he got behind at an aid station. Then he kind of caught up, but never really got side by side with me again. Um, yeah, we, I was hoping to have company, but really I only had company for about 10, maybe not even 10 miles of the course. Um, and from there out, it was just trying to run, trying to keep it really easy, keep it calm, not get worked up about anything. Just try to, you know, hone it in. Um, so yeah, then on the second half of the course, yeah, kind of the same from the dam out. And I was hitting my splits a little quick. Um, I think I wanted to get to the dam in about two hours and four minutes. And I believe I hit it in 202, which is not uh, way out there. Uh, it was definitely within the, the margin of error. Um, yeah, I was hoping for a round of 405 for a first loop. Um, and I ended up doing it in 401, um, which I was, I was happy with that. That was within, it was, yeah, definitely as quick as I wanted, you know, every bit as quick as I wanted to. Um, but yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of the, the beginning of the race. Um, that's kind of how things, how things panned out for the first loop. Um, <clears throat> So take us through the second loop. Now, obviously you come back through the campground and you get to see your crew again. Uh, what was it like kind of starting loop two, knowing that you did have a lead and you were just going to continue pressing on? Yeah, I didn't know at that point how far back Jeffrey was or how the other guys were doing. And I didn't really get tabs until afterwards, but the pressure always gets, uh, gets on a little more. Once I start, you know, when I go through the campground, um, and, and hit that timing mat. And I know that Michael Owen is out in Utah or wherever he is. And he's probably watching my splits and he's watching this idiot that ran out way too fast. And, you know, things like that, I'm just kind of conscious of. Um, and so the going into the second loop, I'm like, I just want to keep the same effort. But if I'm like 10 minutes slower, that'll be like perfect um, is kind of what I was thinking. So I ran up to Gorge Overlook and it, I think I hit the, and since it was 401, it was like really easy to keep track of my splits. Like all day I was hitting like right on the even hour. Like I hit Hickory Ridge in three hours and like 30 seconds. And then I hit it in like seven hours and 30 seconds. So things were just working out perfect for easy head work all day. Um, but yeah, I hit, hit Gorge Overlook overlook and i think it was within a minute or two of of my first loop and i'm thinking okay that's reasonable i had a a little bit of a stop there um in the campground so i'm thinking that's that's pretty good and then i hit fire tower and it was like a minute or so slow um 
But then I hit the dam and it was actually like a couple minutes quick. I think I hit it in like two hours flat in the second loop. And so I'm thinking, man, this is, this is going really well. Like I was thinking it's, I think that's around 40 miles. Um, and I was thinking, man, this is like way too fast, but like, you know, at least I'm not slacking off yet. I'm 40 miles. Um, so I was super happy at that point, ate the last of, of the solids I was eating some, yeah, I tried some new stuff. Uh, you know, I, I had a few apples and, you know, peach seasons in. So I, I love uh, peaches are my favorite fruit. So I had the bananas. Yeah. No. So you're not even mixing you know up the what? fruits on us. I, I did that. And you know what? I don't like bananas as much as I did a year ago. I don't, big, big warn, warning to any ultra runners coming into the sport. If you like something really good, don't eat a ton of it during an ultra. You might never like it again. Like that's just a word of caution. Um, but yeah, I was in the mood for peaches and apples this time. So I ate, ate a bunch of peaches and apples and that after that, I was like, okay, I'm at 40 miles. It's time to go with liquids. Um, I was pretty much decided that, you know, enough monkey and around let's, 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 uh, get down to business. Um, so ran Yeah. And I would say probably that one of the, the lowest points on the race would have been between covered bridge and hickory ridge on the second loop and i'm thinking that's between 40 and 47 miles or so um I, anyhow i was going through there and it was soon after i went off food it would have been after i ate the last of my my solids and i was still consuming some some liquids calories and liquid but hit kind of a low spot in there all of a sudden I noticed I was breathing really hard up the hills. I was, the legs felt really like jelly and I'm like, oh no, you know, that sick feeling in your stomach when you think you're king on the mountain and like, you think, oh no, did I just run out way too fast? Like everybody does, you know, like I've done so many times, did I just like ruin my race? And I'm thinking, Arlen, you're so stupid. You know, this is you know, you're going to make a fool of yourself running like this. But I, I tried to troubleshoot and be like, is there something I can do about it? You know, because that's, I think that's important thing is in ultras, if there's something you can do about it, then do it. And if not, then just toughen up and get through it. And so I had a gel with me and it had, and it had caffeine in it. And I'm like, you know, I haven't had any caffeine yet. Um, let's, let's uh, pop this gel in and just see if that makes me a little sharper. Um, and that definitely took the edge off of it. Um, I immediately got the legs started feeling fresher, my breathing come under control. And so I'm like, okay, I must've just been a little low in, in uh, sugar right there. And so at Hickory Ridge, I'm like, okay, I need to switch something up and do something different. So I don't, don't get sucked back into that, that pain cave. And so I got there and I got some Coke and if you know, I always wait till like 90 miles and then I start chugging Coke down and that'll get me out of anything. And sure enough, that was the, the answer. And I felt so amazing after from Hickory Ridge down to the start line, it like on the, on the, the second loop, I just felt amazing. And so I'm like, okay, I've never drank Coke that early in a race, but you know what? It's never it's never too late for a good idea. 
So I, yeah. And that really helped me throughout the day. I continued to drink Coke at almost every aid station and it, it was, it was, it was exactly what I needed. I mean, that stuff would, it, it would pull me out of anything. Um, but yeah, I come down from Hickory Ridge and I'm looking at my watch and trying to calculate the time because as you know, my watch is for the birds. I can't tell my pace for trying. It's basically gives me time of day when I'm on trails. I know what time of day it is, um, which is very helpful. Okay. Um, but yeah, coming to the campground and I'm like, whoa, good night. This, <laughs> like I ran a, I think it was a 359 second loop, which was just a snip quicker than my first. And I'm like, whoa, that's, you know, that's crazy. I ran the first, the uh, first 54 and, and a half or so miles in like eight hours, and 30 seconds. And I'm like, okay, that, that was a little quick. And I kind of joked with my crew, like, well, uh, <laughs> this is a little quicker than planned, but at least I'm having fun kind of joking around, like watch me crash now. Um, and so there was a little bit of like determination going into the third loop. I was like, uh, I don't want to ruin this race, but like, you know, I, I, I was more determined to like, just keep after my pace. Um, and I forget exactly what my splits were on the third loop going up to gorge and to fire tower, but I knew they were, they were within reason. Um, they were within a couple minutes. I knew they were, it was, I was still moving well. Um, but it wasn't until I hit like Hickory Ridge on the third loop that I started thinking, this is absolutely insane. Like I got to Hickory Ridge and I think it was like seven hours. Well, that would have been seven hours on the second loop. I forget what it was. Um, but I remember getting to that campground and and being or i should say the the start the start line area on the third the end of the third loop and i had it was like 11:40 and i was like that's just insane like i ran a 3 hour 40 minute loop and i was I, yeah i was like whoa this is insane like i've got to i've got to hang on to this like if i crash and burn that's okay um but I'm going to hang on as long as I can. Um, so anyway, that's kind of how the first 77 miles went. Um, at that point, I had my my brother pacing me from Fire Tower to uh, back to the start, uh, the state park there. From that would have been like 65 ish to 77 or whatever whatever those miles are. Um, and at that point, I picked up Derek Miller, my pacer. He was going to be pacing me. Uh, from 77 all the way to 100. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the the uh, the third loop. Uh, it went very smooth, a lot faster than what I thought was possible. Um, but I gained a lot of confidence going into the, the fourth loop. I was like, okay, if I haven't crashed yet, like even if I have a rough spell, um, this is this is insane how fast this is. I didn't even want to do the do the figures, but I was like, this is, <laughs> this is insane, but it's too late to, to change my strategy now. Um, but yeah, so I went into the fourth loop and I was just trying to run a pretty good effort. Um, I think I was running a few minutes slower on the fourth loop. Um, I think I wound up with a three forty two, but I believe that loop is about a half mile shorter. So approximately seven minutes slower. Um, 
which is very much, you know, within the margin of error. But um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely started feeling it in the, in the last loop. Um, I can remember the ups just getting harder and harder. And like, I could do the downs pretty much all day. Like I could run fast. It didn't matter if they were technical, muddy, like I could really handle the downs well, but the ups just got harder and harder. And I mean, yeah, into that, into that fourth loop, it just, it, it hurt so bad, but like it, it felt so good at the same time. Like it was, it was amazing because that, you know how it is. It, you always, there's always this fine line of, you know, going out too hard and, and burning up or else leaving too much in the bank and you get to the finish line and you don't feel like you left it all out there. Um, but yeah, it felt really good to know that I had run the first 75 miles, pretty much a consistent pace the whole way through. And then when it started burning on the last one, I was like, you know, that's a success because I knew this pain was like, it was an indication that I had run a perfect race. Like I had, I had left it all out there. Um, and now I was just grinding for all I was worth trying to get the, get the last out of myself. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, kind of how most of the race went. Um, that's not the final miles got a little, a little crazy. They got, they got kind of rough, but I mean, yeah, I was having a good time the whole, the whole way. <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, an awesome story, obviously to hear, uh, your deep dive there about the race, you know, it's kind of interesting to hear that your, your fourth loop was really slow at like a, uh, three or whatever it is for the fourth loop there. I mean, honestly, you must've been walking the whole thing. You're, you're just not a good runner out there, right? Uh, you, why didn't you finish strong, man? Come on. Seven minutes slower. What are you doing out there? <laughs> I mean, well, you could unbelievable. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, you could say whatever you want. I was I was super happy uh with it, but like yeah, it was it was getting it was getting tough. Um I can remember the the final climb up that that uh, gravel road right before uh, just before the campground. Um yeah, Wesley, you probably know know what I'm talking about. It has that gradual left-hand turn. And I can remember being so determined to to run the whole way, but like it hurt so bad. But I my my struggle was when I would get when I would walk a section that getting going again was so hard. So I found I was better on the ups to just run really slow rather than rather than breaking into a walk because when I would come out of a walk, it was really hard. Um, but yeah, it was it was great. But, I mean, yeah, I couldn't even imagine that section there on the fourth loop because I didn't make it that far. But uh, it's kind of cool <laughs> to hear that you talk about that uh, to your fullest experience. Cam, I think you had a couple questions here for us. Yeah, we got a couple questions from the live chat tonight. Uh, very first one is going to be from Alex Jackson. He was out there. He helped uh, get Wesley out of the chair and started on that fateful third loop that he didn't finish. Or, excuse me, the fateful fourth loop he didn't finish. Let's give him the credit he's due. Uh, but Alex wants to know, what was the longest aid station stop that you had to take, Arlen? Um, I didn't time it, but I would definitely say under two minutes. Um, yeah, I would say two minutes would have been the most. I I uh, never changed my shoes. I never did. I never had any major stops. So they were all very, very minimal. Um, but yeah. And did you go into the race? 
planning to not take any major stops or did that just sort of uh, come up like as the day went on? Were you just like, I'm going to just take each aid station as I need to? Yeah, I definitely don't plan for a long stop. But if you've if you've heard my story about the canal corridor, you know, nature calls and sometimes sometimes there's those those long stops that turn into, you know, and they, and they can wreck your race. Um, because sometimes for me, after a long stop, it is so hard to get going again. Um, but yeah, I don't plan for a long stop, but I mean, you know, if nature calls or something happens, sometimes you just have to do what you you know, you got to do what you got to do. Absolutely. And that was, um, I believe returners live episode 26 or 19 uh one of the those were your two previous shows if you're uh listening and you want to hear that story it's definitely worth it to go back to check those ones out um but our next question from the chat this one here is uh from michael gamp also a great friend of the show he says great run arlen how key was that memorial day training run with wesley to your success on race day um that was was that the day i went out and ran 40 the double mile. Yeah. I think that was probably the day I went out and did 48, 48 miles. Um, yeah, saved you at the cover bridge. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Wesley, according to his story, he carried me out from the covered bridge, which I well, thought was just pretty good. I, well, I did, you know, I cut back to the campground to go get help, you know, cause I couldn't want to carry you the whole way. But then by the time, you know, I did that, you just kind of ran the entire second loop backwards. So I just didn't have time. So glad you made it out. Of- oh, Okay. Yeah. I was a little confused because, you know, you said you carried me out, but apparently you paused my watch when you carried me out. Cause I noticed on my map, on my map, there wasn't, there wasn't tracks through the, down through the, the Creek bottom there. I thought that was pretty funny. If, if anyone was, was paying attention to, to uh, Strava that weekend, they probably, they couldn't verify Wesley's story. Um, how key was that? Uh, it was great. I, in fact, I, we ran into Mike out there that weekend, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we I shared some so. miles with uh, Michael as well that weekend. So there were a bunch of people out there at Mohican, and uh, which is always awesome to see. Yeah, that weekend was it was great. I got my longest, I think, my longest run in. Um, so that was very key. But I would say it was a fail uh, all in all. I mean, we had a high of like forty eight that day, which is pretty much not even not even training i mean if you're running in 48 you're not even really running anyway so i would say it was not key at all to my success our other producer jd3 right now is probably just turning over wherever he is uh because you know he, <laughs> he hates like running in the cold so he uh he definitely likes the uh the heat when the weather warms up himself but uh arlen you know it's awesome to kind of hear uh, your mohican story you know kind of take us through what it was like you know coming across that finish line and knowing that you've run the second fastest time in course history you know let's disregard the old course that was on the dirt <laughs> roads back in the day or the gravel roads you know that's just totally different than the course it is today you shattered the modern course record absolutely blew it out of the water uh what was that moment like for you it was it was i didn't know what it would be like to to set that course record um but in the moment there was just there was so much more uh satisfaction than what i had thought there would be um when you put when you when you go out there with you know, 1651 in your head and you, you come away with a 1522, there is just, 
like, yeah, the, the amount of satisfaction running under that, under route three, uh, going under the bridge, it's, it's undescribable just like coming through the finish line with the sun still up. Um, it's still nice and hot, you know, the sun shining, um, knowing that no one had, has ever finished during daylight hours on that course. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it was indescribable. Um, the, all the feelings that I had coming through that finish line and, and chatting with folks afterwards. What was the post-race party like? Obviously, the day after uh, you got a nice little sleep there. What was that moment like going up on that podium there? <laughs> oh, that was great. Um, between the finish and the podium, there was a lot that happened. Um, you know, it, it was really cool. The race director come come around a good bit after I finished, and he's he's like, "Dude, did you? You're the one that just did, did just did that." And I'm like, "Yeah." And he said, well, the cameraman called me and said we had a finisher. And he's, his response was, that's impossible. Like, there, there's no way. So he went straight to the, the, timing, the, the timing tent there uh, to verify, like, did this guy actually run the course? Um, and so that was like a really special moment just to chat with him for a bit and just to watch his, like, his, his jaw drop. That was that was probably one of the most special parts of it. Um, but yeah, I went home, um, and, and got a shower, went to bed and actually my, my family was planning to do a special song at church the next day. And I, I told them before, I'm like, you know, we might have to do live, do my part live on uh, FaceTime <laughs> if I'm still out on course, but anyway, it worked out fine. I was able to get a night's sleep and yeah, I went to church the next day and, and we sang a special song at church. And then I had to, had to slip out after the message to get down to the, to the, the, the uh, award ceremony. But yeah, it was so special being there the next day with Jacob and Gabe and all, all my friends and watching, uh, watching uh, Ron Ross come through the finish and like completing his 26, I think, finish there at Mohican, which is just phenomenal. Um, and yeah, I always enjoy getting there and watching all the people come in between 31 and 32 hours. It, it, it's just, yeah, it's just that that's one of the most special things about that race is, is showing up the next day and just watching everybody and just chatting with people. And there's so many friends I have out there. Um, and yeah, going up on the podium, that was great. We had to have a couple pinch hitters there for the, the podium, which I thought was pretty cool. We, we kind of, I got to confess, I'm kind of wrangled Kyle Will, Will into standing up on the podium there, which he was not in favor of that. But, you know, uh, we got him up there anyway. So that was kind of fun. But yeah, I was always some very to be up on a podium. I mean, come on, there's a podium <laughs> now. We got to get Kyle up on a podium. Everyone knows the rules in Returnation. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. Such a awesome story to hear. And, you know, I'm super excited to kind of see what's next for you. Obviously, you know, uh, people are gonna be super curious and obviously you've done some crazy fast times. You know, you went 1257 last year at Tunnel Hill for a second place finish there. And, uh, what's next for our link lake? 
I, uh, I'm not, sh- I haven't, uh, pulled the trigger on anything yet. Um, that's a lie. I, I, <laughs> 2022, 2022. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how, 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 t- no, I haven't, but I mean, I haven't decided for sure on anything for 2021 yet. Um, trust me, I will make something happen. There's no way I would make it to 2022 without racing. I think I'd go nuts. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I was talking to, to Gabe Rainwater afterwards and he's like, dude, just take it easy. Like you're doing awesome, but just, just take it easy. Like don't, don't overdo it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Like I definitely want to be running when I'm 70 years old. Um, so I want to take care of myself, but on the other hand, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I ran this morning and I felt perfectly normal. Like it, like I didn't even have a race Saturday. So looking ahead, um, I've kind of been wondering what it would be like to stack 200 milers really close together. Um, and since I recovered so well, I'm toying around with burning river, um, thinking about signing up. If I think there's still a few spots left for that one. I probably better check it out before I talk about it. Um, but possibly that one, um, canal corridor is definitely one that I would love to do. Um, I have to make a decision on that one. A good friend of mine is getting married that day. And so I have to, I have to decide where my priorities are and, and, and make a decision on that. But that would definitely be my a race for the fall. Um, if I, if I jump in burning river, that would definitely be an experiment, um, because that's just five weeks out. So I just would, it would be neat to see how well my body responds with a shorter recovery. Um, I'm used to having at least two months before, uh, another race, but it, you know, I'd like to just see what it feels like, uh, how recovery goes after that and just kind of do an experiment, but we'll see. Well, I gotta, I gotta commend you for feeling yeah. good today because I ran 23 miles on the course pace and, uh, Jamie Hanks saw you out there, Arlen, and the next day. I felt like I got hit by a truck. <laughs> I did one of those things. So I really got to commend you for that. Um, but also, if you want to hop into Burning River now, I know we got a suggestion from uh, Ultra Dad in the chat. He wants to know if you've ever thought about Grindstone. It says there's 16 spots left. That could be quite a oh. fall. <laughs> oh, that race would be fun. Um, I That one, yeah, I would love to do that race. But I am yeah pretty serious about doing another flat and fast 100 miler this fall um possibly see if i can't take a bite out of my pr so fall is a good time to do a fast one rather you know i love mohican in the summertime because it's it's a good way to use up my summer training um but yeah i I like to get on a flat course in the fall and that's getting pretty close to canal corridor um, yeah, that course, what is it? 20,000 feet of vert. Um, dude, like I would love to do that one. Um, but it's just a matter of, of time. Uh, I just can't do everything, but yeah, it's very appealing to me. That one is very appealing to me. 
you know, last time you were on, you said that you would actually want to do a backyard ultra too at some point. So, you know, I think eventually, you know, we'll give you your, you know, your fall this time. We got to do like check the boxes on Arlen. You know, if he says he's going to do a backyard yeah. ultra at some point, you've only got like what, five years or so, like grindstone. <laughs> right? I'd love to do it. We hope to see you there at some point. Let's, uh, let's follow up on some of these maybe. Okay. We'll do it. Yeah. Backyard ultra. Oh boy. No, no, no. It's, it's bad sometimes that you have such a good memory, Wesley. Um, but you know, I, I, I remember things you said too, about, you know, mocking the humidity in Ohio and the, and the elevation and everything. So, I mean, what goes around comes around. So what can I expect? I mean, um, but yeah, definitely the backyard altar is still, uh, I'm, I want to do one of those. I just, I'm having too much fun at the hundred mile distance right now, but yeah, yeah, but follow follow up. I mean, make that uh, drag me out there if you have to. We'll get you out there. We'll get you out there. You know, a little peer pressure goes a long way uh, in regeneration. That's for sure. Uh, one thing I'm curious about, you know, there's a big race this weekend, the Western States 100. People might have heard about it. Um, but, you know, when are we going to see Arlen Glick at the Western States 100? Seriously, like we kind of think you're one of the best ultra runners in the hundred mile distance that it's come to kind of come out of the scene in the past couple of years. And I think if you took your talents to state, got a golden ticket race, maybe this February or whatnot showed up next year. Uh, where do you think you would finish outside of, you know, first, second, third, I mean, come on, where, pick your spot here. <laughs> oh boy. You're so good at trying to make athletes say stupid things, Wesley. I love it. Um, yeah, dude. Okay. So number one, I wouldn't take it for granted that I could get in if I, if my life depended on it. Um, my, my luck at drawing a ticket with less than 1% chance is just doesn't look that great. Um, winning a golden ticket, honestly, Wesley, you've watched me race before and I suck at anything shorter than a hundred miles. If they would give a golden ticket away at a race that was a hundred miles, I'd go do it, do it tomorrow. Um, but yeah, if I could get in, I'd do it. Um, but yeah, I, and, and I say, if I get in, I would do it. I haven't even tried yet, but like, I, I probably will. Um. Hey, I mean, it's tough luck. If you can't win a golden ticket, you got to rely on luck and <laughs> it's tough for, it's, it's tough to get in there, but yeah. For sure, fun. yeah. No, this is a Black really, Canyon hundred K, you know, it's a hundred of some sort. I think we can get you down there. There's a lot of hundred Ks that you can hop <laughs> in it'll just take off the M add the K. It's the same thing. Minutes to miles, you know, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I get any faster at the hundred, at the hundred miler, um, that my pace might be fast enough that I could run a hundred K at that pace, but I don't know. Like, I mean, sometimes I run pretty fast on the second half of my hundred. So, uh, no one says say you can stop at, after a hundred K distance, you can just go 40 more miles at black canyons. If you win the thing, oh. you just keep going. You know what I mean? <clears throat> now that's an idea right there. Maybe you could maybe we could just set it up and just, if I knew I had to run a hundred miles, maybe I would just run a lot faster for the first 60. I, I don't know. There's some weird ideas out here. That's probably <laughs> the only way people can keep up with you anyways for 60 miles. You know, they're going out at 60 mile pace. You have to go out at a hundred mile pace. At least you know someone to run with. Yeah, that, that sounds fun. Um, sign, sign me up, man. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Cam, I think you had a question here. 
No, all, all I'm saying is you just you just give us the ultra sign up details, Arlen, and we'll we'll set up a year for you next year. Uh, you can do <laughs> you can control your fall, you know, like take some time, do whatever you want. We'll just let me and Wesley uh, control 2022. We'll have a plan. Oh sure. Well, Cam, sure. Are you what? Okay, now I'm forgetting. It, it, was it you or Don that uh, JD three that uh, said that that uh, Ultra Sign Up has your credit card information? I mean, if you if you want to use my name and everything and your credit card, like go to town, sign me up, dude. I'll do uh, Bigfoot, Badwater one thirty five, Tahoe two. You name it, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> I think that was me talking about uh, how you know it's it's really easy to make a mistake on Ultra Sign Up because it doesn't. I don't have to go find my wallet, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm almost, I'm almost tempted to say, what is, what is Bandera? Or, um, what's the other hundred uh, K gold ticket race? What does that cost? It's like, I won't pay for your flight out there, but the entry, like <laughs> I might almost be worth it. Dude, there's enough people probably bucks? watching this over the next couple of days. You know, everyone chips in a dollar. Arlene Glick is going to go to Bandera. Arlene Glick <laughs> is going to win the Western States 100 next year. And uh, it's going to be something to see. Hey, let's do it. Maybe we can get some sponsors out of the deal. You know, I mean, hey, a little, a little tough talk here, and we'll be right in business <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, we've done our quick questions with you, Arlen. You're a pro at this point, so uh, we're not going to do our regular quick questions, but we do have some, uh, just some general ones we do want to ask you here before you get out of here. And if there's any other chat questions that people have, drop those in there now. This has been a fantastic show, as always. You know, Arlen, it's a pleasure to sit down and talk to you here. Uh, one question I've got for you is what is your, or where I should say, is your favorite place you've ever run? Um, my favorite place I've ever run in my life was, uh, angels landing back in February, angels landing in, in Zion national park. Uh, that oh. was, that was just a thrill. Out in Taw. <laughs> There it is. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh no. Okay. I I just put my foot in my mouth. I, I <laughs> that was a bad idea to me. Hey, I appreciate you, Arlen. That was a setup. You know, I just lobbed it up to you and just hit a home run. You're the best. Absolutely appreciate you. I know. I oh, couldn't yeah. believe it, Arlen. I was gonna say Wesley and I were out there just like what three, four weeks ago out at Zion. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. Uh, kind of going off that same trend, you know, who are some of your inspirations in the ultra running scene that you kind of look up to? Oh, um, you know, 2019, I ran the, the, uh, the JFK 50 miler, um, and got to share a mile or two with Zach Bitter. And, you know, he, he is definitely inspiring to me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I love, watching him go after it and just kill it. Um, but yeah, I mean, also like some of the other guys that inspire me are just the, like say, uh, Ronald Ross there that, you know, the, the guys that finished the Mohican or, or something in 32 hours. Like, I think I, I was talking to Ron afterwards. I'm like, dude, I, like went home and got to sleep last night, but like you guys so inspire me. I mean, you guys have been out there all day, all night and half of the next day. And like, that's just inspiring to me. Like who cares who wins when you watch those, 
those guys come through the finish line that, that fought all night or uh, like in 2019, I was there and there was a, a lady that came through um, like five minutes after the cutoff time. And I'm like that. I can't imagine the just the gut wrenching feeling that that would be. But yeah, sometimes I, I get inspired by guys like Zach better, but then I also get inspired by, you know, the, the, the guys that are on the verge of, of time and out. Like, I think that's so cool that they go after something that's so hard for their level. Um, that's so difficult, but yet they go after it anyway. So yeah, I think that's, what's cool. We absolutely love that answer. Uh, we got another quick question here. You know, if you weren't an ultra runner, you need to do some other hobby, what would it be? Uh, if I wasn't an ultra runner, well, I've had a, a few hobbies over the years. Um, I've done a, a, a good amount of uh, big game hunting out in, in the West, you know, Wyoming, close to Wesley's area. Um, there's a lot of things I would do. Um, I like to, I like to take my nieces and nephews fishing every now and then I'm kind of an outdoorsman. Um, but yeah, since the whole running thing kind of took a hold of my life, I, I don't have as much time to do some of those other sports as I, as I would like. Yeah. Do you catch like with a fishing pole or do you just like run through the water, just catching the fish? <laughs> so fast? Good, good question. Um, well, I, I will tell you a little outside. I was not planning on, on bringing this up, but one time I did catch a coyote with my bare hands. So I'll let you figure that one out, but <laughs> no, I use a fishing pole. <laughs> wow. You heard it here for us. Arlie Glick, you know, new, new course record holder, modern at Mo Mohican and just uh, out there doing all kinds of awesome things. This has been uh, a heck of a show so far. Uh, one final question here. Do you have any sponsors or anyone specifically that you want to say thank you to? I don't have any sponsors, um, but yes, there's a lot of people that I, I definitely want to say thanks to. Um, definitely the, <clears throat> the race director, <clears throat> everyone in charge, every, all the volunteers that helped out there. Um, yeah, they were great out there. Um, and definitely my crew, my sisters, they, they, if you've ever been at an aid station, when I came through, um, I'm in and out in the blink of an eye and yeah, the hats off to my crew. Um, they're the best. And also my pacer, Derek Miller and my brother for, for pacing me. Um, they're such good encouragement. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's it. All right. Well, we want to thank you for coming on the show again for the third time, Arlen. It's between you and Sarah Beal. Like it's, it's going to be quite the competition <laughs> to see who ends uh, 2021 going into 22 with the most rich runners live appearances. Cause I can't imagine <laughs> either of you will go the rest of this year without a win. Uh, but we're so happy to have you on. We were so stoked to see you out there on the course at Mohican as well. Um, anybody looking to sponsor this guy, whoever can get him into Western States. Cause like, I don't know if Jim Rom Jim Wamsley's ever running a 1257. I want to see him go in there and blow the whole thing up. Um, but anyways, you know, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as always, uh, I was Cam Wrench. Your other host was Wesley Harton. Uh, you can find us anywhere you can find podcasts and subscribe to us here on YouTube. If you haven't yet, check out our No BS film as well and share it with any of the uh, other ultra runners in your life. We're really proud of that one. And I think that's everything. Uh, right, Wes? Yeah, that's all we got. We'll see you guys next time. We do have a prediction video dropping tomorrow for the Western States 100, which is our first West Coast prediction video. Nick Voss is joining us on that one. So 
stay tuned for that noon Eastern Thursday. Tune into that. And Nick did snub one of the biggest runners on the scene, kind of like I do, but he did it. So it's not me this time. So tune in for that. It should be fun. Arlen, you are incredible. We'll see everyone next time. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation. Oh,